This is the Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. The Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics. A part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're not already following the show on Twitter, I suggest you do so. At Locked On Aggies, you can follow myself on Twitter. At TaylorTravis15, you can also like the show on Facebook. Just search Locked On Aggies in the search bar. Give it a click, give it a like, and you'll be connected. All the episodes are posted there. They're also posted on my Twitter and the show's Twitter as well. So it makes it a little bit easier to find it whenever you wake up in the morning. But you can also find the podcast on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, TuneIn. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, you can find the Locked On Aggies podcast. So it's pretty easy to find regardless. But if you do want to follow us on social media, there's more than just episodes posted there. There's news and notes. There's thoughts. There's observations around Texas A&M. So I definitely recommend you do that if you haven't done it already. Also, if you ever have a question about Texas A&M football, about Texas A&M basketball, about anything related to Texas A&M athletics or life, I mean, if you want to go to me for life advice, I mean, I might not be the best guy to go to, but you can certainly try. The Locked On Aggies mailbag is always open 24-7, lockedonaggies at gmail.com. I'm quick to respond. I check it throughout the day, and if you ask a good question, there's a good chance I will address it on the show. So I encourage your interaction. I appreciate it. It makes the show easier for me, and I'm sure it makes it more enjoyable for you, the listener, as well. But lockedonaggies at gmail.com is your way to reach me with any questions you have uh, for the show. You can also go to Twitter. You can send a DM to either the show's Twitter at Locked on Aggies or you can DM me at TaylorTravis15. Uh, either way works. Whatever's easy and convenient for you, just go ahead and do that because it's easy for me too. So Twitter or Gmail, your choice. If you have a question ever for the show, the mailbag is always open. If it's your first time listening, first of all, welcome. But I'm sure you're wondering, who am I? Well, I'm Taylor Travis. I'm a uh, swing host at Sports Radio 1150 in the Zone 102.7 FM in College Station. I'm also an anchor, I'm a producer, I'm a reporter. I'm basically a jack-of-all-trades at the radio station there. I've been covering Texas A&M for about three or four years. I went to Texas A&M, I've been following Texas A&M for a really long time. So whenever I had the opportunity to do the Lockdown Aggies podcast, I was excited because I get to talk about Texas A&M sports, which is something that I'm going to be doing either way, so I might as well grab a microphone and do it, right? Well, it's a great opportunity and it's been growing and I can't wait to uh, continue to bring you this podcast every day. Why should you be listening to Locked On Aggies podcast? Well, the Locked On Aggies podcast is unique in that it's daily. It's Monday through Friday, five days a week, and they're 25 minutes long. So it's perfect for your commute to work, perfect for your drive home, perfect for your lunch break. It's very easy to squeeze in, and it's daily. So if you're one of those diehard fans who needs a daily Aggie football fixed, well, there's no better way to go about that than by listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast. So Saturday, Texas A&M went to Columbia. Walked into Williams-Brice Stadium, which is always a tough place to play. Came out with a 26-23 to win over the Gamecocks. A lot of good things, a lot of bad things. We'll get to that later on. I'll give my three good things and three bad things from the game like I do every Monday morning after a game. And we'll also hear from Jimbo Fisher. Here's some of his takeaways from the game as well. But first of all, I just want to give some of my initial observations from the football game. Because it was a really weird football game. There was a lot of good and a lot of bad. I thought Texas A&M was definitely a better team than South Carolina. The line was two points, and I kind of said this last week. I thought that was a really bizarre line because I thought Texas A&M was 10 points better than South Carolina. It was on the road, so give South Carolina maybe three or four more points because of that. I thought the line should have been around six, six and a half. 
but it was only two. And the ESPN FBI said South Carolina had a 51% chance of winning that game. So I was really baffled all week trying to figure out what advantage does South Carolina have in the game and how can South Carolina beat Texas A&M and what ways is South Carolina better? And it took me all week to come up with maybe one thing. I thought the South Carolina receivers were going to be a problem for the Texas A&M secondary. I thought the Texas A&M secondary as a whole did pretty well against them. But that was really the only area that I had any concern in. I mean, other than that, it was pretty clear to me that Texas A&M was the better team all the way across the board. Well, final score 26-23. I think uh, the eye test, eye test-wise, Texas A&M was definitely the better team. Uh, it shouldn't have been three points. Texas A&M had plenty of opportunities that they wasted. They shot themselves in the foot a few times. I think it should have been probably a 14-17 to 17 point game. But instead, 26-23. We'll talk a little bit more about those missed opportunities later. But first of all, a few observations I had just that were jumped out to me. Uh, Jay Sternberger continues to be a huge weapon for Kellen Mond in the Texas A&M offense. The play he had where he drugged that South Carolina defender about 20 yards downfield was one of my favorite plays so far of the season for Texas A&M, because that was fun. I mean, that was a really fun play to watch. And Jay Sternberger has really developed into a security blanket for Kellen Mond, and that's really key, because as much as Kellen Mond has improved from year one to year two, there's still going to be growing pains, and at times, he still looks like a sophomore. I mean, he had a really bad game against Arkansas, didn't play his best against Kentucky. I think he had his good and bad moments against South Carolina on Saturday, but anytime you have a young quarterback, really any quarterback needs this type of guy, but especially a young quarterback like Kellamon, who's only a sophomore, you have to have that security blanket. And oftentimes it's a tight end. Sometimes it's a bigger receiver who's more of a possession guy who can pick up a first down. But Jay Sternberger is really turning into that type of guy for Kellamon. And Kellamon called his number a lot on Saturday. Sternberger went seven catches, 145 yards, a touchdown, had a big 53 yard reception. But Jay Sternberger really filling that role of security blanket. And not just that, it goes beyond that. He's a legitimate deep threat. I mean, if you have a tight end in Jimbo Fisher's offense who can not only catch the ball and block, but can beat you vertically, which Jay Sternberger can do. He's plenty athletic. He can beat those linebackers. When the linebackers matched up with Sternberger, he's going to burn that linebacker going deep 10 times out of 10. And that's what he's done several times this year. But when Jimbo Fisher has that type of threat in his offense, that guy's going to flourish. We saw it with Nick O'Leary. We've seen it before with many other tight ends at Florida State. But Jay Sternberger turning into a huge weapon for the Aggies. And that's good to see. Speaking of weapons in the passing game, another thing I talked about last week, and I talked about this the week before as well, but with Jamon Osmond sidelined indefinitely, I think it's going to be for most of the season, if not all. But with Jamon Osmond sidelined, Somebody needs to step up at the wide receiver position. And I talked about this. I said, I look at the roster. I look at the depth chart. And I don't think anybody has that wide receiver one potential. I mean, Cam Buckley, I think, is a really talented receiver. I don't think he's ever going to be your featured guy. Same with Kendrick Rogers, who was out on Saturday with a foot injury. Jimbo Fisher said that he could have gone if they needed him. So I would expect him to be back for Mississippi State after the bye week. And there's several other players who I think are really talented who are going to turn out to be really good wide receivers in this Texas A&M offense, but nobody who I can see emerging as that big wide receiver one in place of Jamon Ospin. Well, guess who stepped up? Courtney Davis. And you got to be happy for the guy, right? Because he's been battling injuries ever since he stepped on campus. He hasn't had that opportunity to see the field, and he's finally getting it this season, and he's really taking advantage of it. I mean, on Saturday... 
He had nine catches, 127 yards, had a big 30-yard catch late in the game. Courtney Davis, to me, is a guy who he's definitely talented enough to be a wide receiver one. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy? Can he continue to improve week to week? Because he hadn't played football in a long time. And Jimbo Fisher talked about this. But whenever you're missing more than a year because of injury, it takes a long time for your body to get adjusted to football again. It takes a while for your body to get used to taking hits. It takes a while for you to get adjusted to the speed of the game. And it looks like to me, Courtney Davis is starting to finally find that rhythm. And he could turn out to be a big-time player for Texas A&M down the stretch. Because if Kellen Mond can find that guy to throw to at the wide receiver position, that opens up a whole nother dynamic to this Texas A&M offense that I don't think has been there the last two weeks since Jamon Osman went down with an injury. And really even before that, because Osman hadn't really been performing like that wide receiver one he was supposed to be coming into the season. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Jimbo Fisher. I'll give my three good and three bad things from the Texas A&M South Carolina game on Saturday. Again, Texas A&M with a big 26-23 win, a bye week coming up, and then two tough road games, Mississippi State and Auburn. But before we get to that, I want to tell you a little bit about Sling TV. You know, there's nothing more annoying to me than paying for cable, paying a lot of money for cable, and only watching maybe 20% of the channels you pay for. Well, good news, there's a way to avoid that, and that's Sling TV. Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. That's why I'm a fan. Just $30 a month gets you all the ESPN networks, gets you Pac-12 network, SEC network, and so much more. You can also stream Sling TV on your big screen, on all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you all the live TV you love, only better, because there's no useless channels, there's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, there's a special offer. You can sign up for Sling TV and get a seven-day free trial. Locked On Aggies listeners can get their seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. A seven-day free trial. That's a whole week to decide if you like it. If you like it, you can keep it. You can sign up. If not, that's fine. You can cancel at any time. You don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. And Sling TV gives you the perfect opportunity to do that for just $30 a month. Again, all the ESPN networks, Pac-12 network, SEC network, and so much more. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Go ahead, redeem that seven-day free trial right now. Just go to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on to get your seven-day free trial of Sling TV. You're listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast, the Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M Athletics, I'm your host, Taylor Travis. The Locked On Aggies podcast is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, Texas A&M coming off of a 26-23 to win over South Carolina at Williams-Brice Stadium in Columbia on Saturday. A really scrappy win. Another really tough win from this Texas A&M team. And Jimbo Fisher spoke to the media after the game and gave his thoughts on the performance. Let's go ahead and hear from him. Again, all audio played on Locked On Aggies is courtesy of WTAW and College Station. Good and bad. You know, first, uh, hats off South Carolina, man. They would not quit. They just kept coming back, battling. Uh, we had opportunities in the first half, again, to, score, to, to put them away, and we didn't do it. Uh, best right there before the first half and then the first drive of the second half. We could have got touchdowns in those drives. It could have really been different. But they give them credit. They held in there, and then they made two big-time drives. And, and, I mean, made plays. I mean, made great catches over top of people and made plays and got their energy. You know, they, they did it last week. That, that's the way Will, Will's going to have a well-coached team that's going to compete. But, and I was, you know, our defense was outstanding the first half. I mean, playing great. They were great on third down all night. And then uh, they hit that third quarter and they had them two drives. I mean, they made some big-time plays. They hit catches and 
and uh, made plays. And then uh, offensively, we kicked it. We had the ball four times the second half. I think we scored three and then had those two drives the last two times we had the ball. Once it tied up on the road in a hostile environment, backed up, I mean, and then to come down and make the plays and the third, two big third down conversions in both of those drives, one's to Hezekiah and one to Jason, those plays and those guys finishing the drives. The way Travion stuck the ball, started running, getting the running game going a little bit because they were determined to blitz and stop it. So we had to start throwing the football, which I thought Kellen was outstanding in that game. And that drives at the end. When you're up three and making throws, it's a lot It's a lot harder. What I mean is because you don't want to make mistakes. And he stayed aggressive. And hit the read he made to get the ball back to uh, – Courtney on the last flag route was a complete backside fourth man read. That was something else that we had going on on another side that was outstanding for him to recognize the coverage, see the one-on-one, recognize the matchup, and come back. The talk about his growth and maturity under big moments and big situations was, was outstanding. But him, you know, I saw Jay Sean Corbin did a nice job in the game. Courtney and Jace were awesome. Cam Hezekiah came in, did a nice job playing his first times. Our defense were great on third down. But the big thing about us, I mean, we had 12 penalties for 117 yards. That's not us. That's not, a, that, that's not our foot, kind of football. And it caught I mean, we had a big drop. One play at the time we didn't score a second half, we had a guy downfield. He misheard a play. That's all it was. Thought it was, didn't know it was a naked, thought it was a run. Uh, then we had those face masks and we had the, the interference penalties. And, you know, and, we, and, and six can't do that. He just, you know, he made a bad mistake there again. So we'll lose him in the first half of the next game, which will be critical. So, uh, but, you know, very happy the way we compete. These kids, we got some guys with some heart and toughness now. And I'll say that. And we're learning how to win. We're learning how to play better. And we're still a work in progress. We're nowhere close, which is, that's the interesting thing. So we can get a lot better. So what we got to do this week is heal up and then identify our weaknesses and things that we can really pinpoint to go at. And we'll look at that when we get back and then work on our future opponents for these next couple of days and put some and look at all of our opponents if there's some different things that any of them are doing or tricky. We get a couple of day or a day or two ahead of doing something extra that introduce it to them so when the game week comes, we can get a jump. So that's kind of what we'll do. That was Jimbo Fisher after Texas A&M's 26-23 win over South Carolina on Saturday. Uh, three good things and three bad things. Let's start with my three good things, my three good observations, my three good takeaways from Saturday's win. And number one is something I've already spent a lot of time on so far today, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. But Jay Sternberger and Courtney Davis both, that combo, it's just so big for that Texas A&M offense if both of these guys can continue to step up down the road. I mean, we've seen it from Jay Sternberger all season long. He already broke the uh, Texas A&M record for most touchdowns by, in a single season by a tight end. So I know he'll continue to contribute down the road. That's not really a concern of mine. But can Courtney Davis continue to play at that level? That's the question to me. Because like I said before, Texas A&M needs somebody at the wide receiver position to get separation, to make plays downfield. Because as much as we talk about how bad the offensive line has been, and a lot of times when, you know, not just me, when people in general talk about how bad the offensive line's been, they point to how many times Kellen Mond's been sacked. Well, I think the offensive line's responsible for a lot of those sacks. But be quite honest, I think a good number of those sacks don't really fall on the offensive line at all. I think it's because the wide receivers cannot get any separation on some of the DBs, and Kellamon's forced to hold on to the ball, hold on to the ball, and then eventually he's just going to go down. That's how it is. Texas A&M needs a wide receiver who can get separation, and Courtney Davis was that guy on Saturday. Can he be that guy going forward? That remains to be seen. I think he's a really talented player. He was a really talented prospect coming out of high school. He's just had some tough luck with injuries, and he's just now starting to find his stride on the field. So I think he very well could turn out to be a really good wide receiver down the stretch for Texas A&M. But can he continue to step up? That's going to be really big. But my first big takeaway, my first good thing from that Texas A&M game on Saturday was the Jay Sternberger-Courtney Davis combo. Uh, Both of those guys just made big plays all game long, and they're really a big reason why Texas A&M won that game. 
My second good thing from the game on Saturday was Seth Small. Seth Small, the freshman kicker from KD, Texas, who's kind of being forced into action with a Daniel LaCamera injury. Uh, LaCamera, still no official word on how long he's going to be out. I've heard it's a six to eight weeks type injury, but I guess that remains to be seen. But Seth Small stepped into the game at Alabama, had a really good game in Tuscaloosa. A lot of people had a lot of faith in him going forward. I still think he's a really good kicker, but you look at the games against Arkansas, against Kentucky, he had two really poor games, and some of those missed field goals he had were a big part. A&M had a hard time pulling away from those teams. But he had an opportunity on Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium to step into a tough environment, make kicks. He went four or five. A really solid night going four for five for Seth Small. And if he can continue to do that, if he's finally kind of pulled out of that slump, because as a kicker, it's so hard to get into those funks. Right, I mean, it's so mental. And if your fundamentals are off by just a little bit, you're going to start missing kicks. And if you miss a kick, it gets in your head. And it's just a really hard position to play. But Seth Small, 4-5, or five, made his first kick from 52, missed the 42-yarder, and then made a 20, a 32, and 39-yarder. You look at those three kicks, you think, well, those are kicks that he should make. Those aren't difficult. But when you're going through a slump like he was, those are pretty hard kicks. But seeing the ball go through the upright is going to be so big for his confidence going forward. Texas A&M needs Seth Small to be able to make those kicks because those three points add up, especially when you play tough teams on the road like a Mississippi State or an Auburn coming up over these next two weeks. You need those three points. So it's really big that Seth Small continues to kick the ball well like he did on Saturday. My third good thing, and you know this could have been a good thing every week of the season. I've been trying to avoid this because it's so obvious, but Braden Mann... I think he's been the best player on Texas A&M all year. I really do, because you look at what he's done. He ranks first in the country right now in punting. 54.9 yards a punt on Saturday. He had four punts for 209 yards, an average of 52.2, a long of 67. By the way, Braden Mann's only one 60-yard punt away from breaking the NCAA single-season record for most 60-yard punts in a year. Think about that. Just one 60-yard punt away, and we still have five games to go. Unreal. Braden Mann is the best player on this Texas A&M football team right now, and he's without a doubt the best punter in the country. Has to be the Ray Guy Award favorite. Has to be. Oh, he also forced a fumble on Saturday on that punt return. Laid down the wood, forced a fumble. Uh, Tyrell Dotson recovered. The first recovered fumble for Texas A&M this season but Braden Mann showing he can do more than just punt the football and kick it off. A uh, former high school linebacker. He's just a skilled guy. He's an athlete. You don't really see that at the punting position very often. Braden Mann, he's special. Again, one 60-yard punt away from breaking the NCAA single-season record for most punts of 60 yards or more during a season. Coming up next, I'll give my three bad things from Saturday's win against South Carolina. And on tomorrow's show, we'll recap the Texas A&M Weekly Press Conference that will happen Uh, later on this afternoon. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Vivid Seats. You know, I love going to games, but sometimes it's kind of difficult to find a place where you can get tickets at a great price. Well, I finally found a place in Vivid Seats where not only can I find tickets at a good price, but they also give me a 100% buyer guarantee, which is big. But right now, if you've never used Vivid Seats, I can't think of a better time to use them. Because right now, if you're a Locked On Aggies listener... You can use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. It's easy. All you got to do is either go to the website or go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. From there, use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more 
as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event like they've helped me time and time again. If you've never used Vivid Seats, I can't think of a better time to start using them right now. It's college football season. It's NFL season. The NBA season is about to get started. College basketball season is right around the corner. The MLB playoffs are going on. There's a lot of concerts going on. There's a lot of things that you need tickets to get to. Well, use Vivid Seats. Again, promo code locked on. $20 off orders of $200 or more is a new customer of Vivid Seats. A 100% buyer guarantee. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. You're listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast. The Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M Athletics, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Taylor Travis. Just a reminder, tomorrow we will recap the uh, Texas A&M weekly press conference that will happen this afternoon. I'm sure Jimbo Fisher will have a lot of thoughts about the uh, South Carolina game, and you'll have a lot of thoughts about the bye week coming up as well. But right now, I want to give my three bad things, my three bad takeaways, my three negative observations from Saturday's 26-23 to win against South Carolina. And my number one bad takeaway was the inability of the offense to finish drives. It seems like time and time again, Texas will be driving down the field with no problem, and they get either to the red zone or near the red zone, and then they would stall. And I don't really know why it would stall. I guess some of it would have to do with the receivers not being able to get open against the South Carolina DBs in the end zone. Uh, I know that it's harder to score the closer you get to the end zone because that window kind of closes. Travion Williams was never able to uh, have a big game on the ground like we expected him to. South Carolina's run defense going into the game was one of the worst in the country. But Travion Williams had a decent game, not a great game. 19 carries, 82 yards, a touchdown. But for whatever reason... That Texas A&M offense would just stall as they get near the end zone, and they'd have to settle for a field goal. Well, the good thing is Seth Small went four or five, uh, kicking field goals, so they were able to get some points. But there's going to come a time when three points isn't going to get it done. You have a lot of tough teams left on the schedule: Mississippi State, Auburn, who I know lost to a really bad Tennessee team. I still think they have a lot of talent, and they can still uh, be a big threat to Texas A&M. You also have LSU coming up. So there's a lot of good teams left on the schedule, a lot of teams who can beat you. Eventually, you're going to need to find the end zone. Field goals aren't going to cut it. So I don't really have an answer on why the Texas A&M offense would stall once they got deep into South Carolina territory, but it's something that's going to need to be fixed if Texas A&M wants to win games down the stretch. My second bad takeaway of the game, targeting. It seems like every week somebody gets ejected for targeting. Surprise, surprise, Donovan Wilson, another ejection for targeting. Davion Renfro also got ejected for targeting. Two really weak calls, in my opinion. Right calls, but weak calls. And you know, especially in Donovan Wilson's case, his was so unnecessary. I know he didn't intentionally hit him with his helmet. He tried to get out of the way, but he has to know. Even Jimbo Fisher said this. You could read his lips when Donovan Wilson got back to the sideline. Get low. There's no reason. The ball was thrown over the head of the South Carolina wide receiver. There's no reason to go in high to begin with. I know it's a reaction play. I know it's a habit. I know it's really hard for Donovan Wilson not to do that because that's sort of a reaction play. But he has to learn. He has to play smarter. He has to know to go low and avoid that targeting penalty because right now he's suspended for the first half of the Mississippi State game. That could be huge. Mississippi State, it's a pretty good football team. Every team you play in the SEC is a good football team who's capable of beating you. And without Donovan Wilson in the first half, that's going to be a problem. 
because we've talked about how bad that Texas A&M secondary is without Donovan Wilson. The Aggies need Donovan Wilson in the secondary, and he has to play smarter than that moving forward. End of story. My third and final bad thing from Saturday's 26-23 to win over South Carolina was it was just another example of Texas A&M unable to put their foot on the opponent's throat and finish the job. They still aren't able to put the opponent away. You look at Arkansas, a game where Texas A&M was clearly the best team, but it was only a touchdown game. You look at Kentucky, Texas A&M had to win that one in overtime, but you look at the stats and you rewatch the game, Texas A&M really dominated that game. I mean, it wasn't even close, but somehow Texas A&M allowed Kentucky to hang in there, whether it was turnovers, whether it was penalties, Kentucky found their way to hang in the game. And same thing with South Carolina. I mean, Texas A&M really dominated a majority of that game, but it really came down to the last few seconds. South Carolina scored with about 30 seconds left on the clock to get within a field goal. Had they recovered that onside kick, it could have gotten really interesting. But again, Texas A&M dominated pretty much from start to finish. The scoreboard didn't indicate that. The Aggies had a hard time putting South Carolina away. And eventually, much like what I said with the Seth Small field goals, settling for field goals in the red zone offense, Eventually, you're going to face a team, whether it's a Mississippi State team, an Auburn team, an LSU team, you're going to face somebody who's going to make you pay for allowing them to stay in the ballgame for so long. It's just the truth. It's going to happen. So Texas A&M has to learn how to be able to put those opponents away. And that's something Jimbo Fisher talked about after the game on Saturday. And I'm sure that's something that he's going to be asked about uh, this afternoon at the press conference. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that tomorrow. But again, the Aggies have to learn how to put opponents away. Because again, the last three weeks against Arkansas, Kentucky, and now South Carolina, I think to me, the Aggies were clearly the better team, but the scoreboard just didn't indicate it. So what does Texas A&M need to do to be able to put opponents away down the stretch? Well, they need to take care of the football. They need to take care of opportunities in the red zone. They need to score the ball. They need to get big stops on defense. I mean, the list goes on and on, but they have to learn how to be able to put opponents away late in games. That's going to do it for today's episode. A reminder, tomorrow we're going to recap the weekly press conference. Uh, Jimbo Fisher will talk to the media this afternoon to recap the South Carolina game some more and also give his thoughts as the Aggies uh, head to the bye week, which is, by the way, coming at a great time in the middle of a three-game stretch. Uh, gives Texas A&M a chance to rest their bodies, gives some of the players an opportunity to heal and see the field. Uh, you know, You have several players who are out with injury right now, so that's going to come at a really good time. But again, that's going to do it for today's episode. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Aggies podcast, your daily source for everything Texas A&M athletics. I'm Taylor Travis, the Locked On Aggies podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.